Comments made on the Ceratalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. It's time for High Contrast, the show where we talk about everything low vision and all of the things that impact those of us who are sort of stuck in between the world of perfectly good vision and no vision at all. And this week, we're going to mix up the chairs a little bit because Mari Hill of AI Squared is taking a short sabbatical from the podcast. She'll be taking more of a behind-the-scenes type role. So to replace her, it's Byron Lee, who you can find on Twitter, at Byron27. Hello, Byron. Hello. How you doing? Doing pretty good. And of course, I'm Rodney Edgar of TagAccessWeekly.com. I thought I'd get the intro and all that out in the immediate center. And now off to our third chair, who is Joe Steinkamp of Serotech.com and everything podcast. This is true. Jeremy found a way to get out of this and Maury is on summer vacation. I how did I not I I've gotta write better excuses. Maybe that's what it is. Huh. How are you doing, gentlemen? I'm sorry, Joe, you can't be excused <laughs> from physical education class. You didn't get a note from your doctor. <laughs> this is true. Thank you, Sister Mary Elephant. I appreciate in class. that. <laughs> You should oh, realize that goodness. Jeremy will go anywhere that they offer him a big bag lunch. So <laughs> You know, next year, uh, the Radio Reading Services Convention is in Fort Wayne, and uh, I'm already imagining he's coming up with excuses to uh, not have me crash on his couch. So The entire SPN crew should go there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, I'm having the carpet cleaned or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm fumigating the house. Uh, it's a service animal convention. Uh, you know, the Pacers are in the finals again. I got to go. Uh, so anyway, now that we have digressed completely off the rails, as I am worried this show may go into anyway, we are going to try and talk a little bit about media consumption and how those of us low vision folks do it, because that is sort of a hot topic. And this past month, we had E3 and WWDC from Apple. So Right now, we'll just sort of start with E3 and what people's thoughts were of the convention and what was announced, the new Xbox One. That's O-N-E, not the number one, Xbox One. And uh, that's that's very important. Of course, if you actually had the Xbox One from 2001, that's a little confusing. So that's now the original Xbox, and then there's the Xbox 360. And now the Xbox One. When are they going to start calling it the new Xbox and the new new Xbox? No, 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 no. We are not making (laughs) iPad jokes. No, that is wrong of you. The Xbox One is meant to be the one thing in your AV components box. And the reason why I think it's very, very interesting and exciting is, yeah, it plays games. That's true. And there is that aspect of it. But, oh my gosh, it's going to do so much more. So basically what they did is they copied Google TV in which you can have an HDMI pass-through. So you can actually have, let's say, your satellite box or cable box or some other device go through the Xbox to get to your big television. And what that allows you to do is some of that snap 
stuff that you see in Windows 8 demos. So you can actually have half your screen with one thing and half the screen with another. And I'll get to a good reason why that's important in a second. You can also have a TV overlay. So you can have your TV listings up there. You can actually use the Connect because the Xbox One will come with the Connect to use voice activation to be able to get to apps or switch between games or television or say go to ABC and it would just go to ABC for you and switch it, which I think is awesome. There is an IR blaster or it actually can do some programming to be able to talk back and forth with the box. Just depends on what you're connecting to it. And what I think is really neat is that it's got Skype built in and Skype can be used to call your friends and throw your, their faces up on the big 50 inch television. So if you need to see the grandkids or something like that, it'll be up there. But more importantly, and this is the part I was getting to a second ago, they have a five year deal with the NFL. So you're going to be able to watch NFL games, get real time stats Fantasy football's tracking stuff directly from NFL Network, kind of like a red zone kind of thing, and also have the ability to, when you're winning, you scope on the same screen and uh, rub it in on your buddy, and then go back to full screen watching NFL all from one box, and I think that is just super cool, and I will be doing said rubbing it in, depending if my Houston Texans do extremely well as well as having good bandwidth for Skype, which is never any true factor you can never really predict. As they choke in the playoffs, as usual. Except I can't say anything because my Cowboys do not make it to the playoffs. Thank you, Tony Romo. Yes. <laughs> just so you know, we didn't spend a billion dollars on our stadium. <laughs> we just built one next to the existing one. <laughs> I can't even participate in this discussion because I'm in Bears territory, so... <laughs> well... That's what NFL ticket is for. <laughs> you just root for the other team. You know? Yeah, there you go. So I guess the pass-through is sort of stealing from the Google TV apparatus that didn't really take on. Uh-huh. Sort of saves you with using up one of your HDMI ports. So that's a good thing. And it's also a Blu-ray yeah. player. So you don't have to worry about the big issue with the 360 was that it was a DVD only and then high-definition DVD. But that's another story for another time. So you've got a Blu-ray in there too and the Connect. So you can actually do that Skype calling face-to-face. So all of that's kind of sort of built in out of the box. Yeah, really I just neat. don't know how well the Skype is going to be used. That's the big thing. You're sitting across the room. How good is the camera going to be? You know, that kind of thing. Fairly doggone good. The deaf community is very excited about it because it can actually uh, discern individual fingers for sign language. And... When you're playing games, it can actually look at your facial responses and measure your heartbeat. That's kind of creepy, but cool. So depending on the lighting and how it is, the new Kinect sensor is pretty doggone crazy in what it can pick up. And voice-wise, it has a lot more voice recognition to it. So you can actually do some contextual searches as opposed to kind of the 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 3 way you have to do it with Connect now. By that, I mean Xbox menu xbox start xbox stop you kind of sort of have to lead xbox into it and you have a fixed number of things you can talk to it about so now it'll have a little bit more contextual like siri to be able to make some kind of roundabout ways of saying things and it might understand you and speaking of roundabouts microsoft sort of got into a little bit of a tussle for the first week of their announcements where they were going to have to 
have you connect to their servers once every 24 hours in order to keep your games and things active. The military said, hey, I'm on a submarine. How in the world am I ever going to have a Xbox on a submarine, you know, how am I going to take it to the cabin in the woods? You know, not the mo- not the movie, not to be confused with the movie, but, you know, <laughs> you don't have the internet connection sitting there where you can actually get connected and used games. You were not going to be able to do used games. And with the PlayStation Where? 4 announcement, they've sort of done a big left turn roundabout. roundabout. Not to be confused with the Saratok podcast. No, no, no. Uh, I think what happened was a... PR gaffe on several ways and Sony was able to take advantage of that. But in the long run, the issues that were discussed about used games and the like will be gone. We will not be using discs in this next console generation for very long. If you aren't already in some form of broadband, you will just be playing the Wii or some other older console because the publishers really were kind of the guys behind all of this. And to be fair, they're the ones putting down millions and millions of dollars to sell you a game. So they should have some rights that are protected. I'm not the biggest DRM fan in the world, but at the same time, all of those features that people were complaining about were features that allow you to pirate games. So I'm very upset that Microsoft kind of didn't hold their guns to this, not as much as I am about them backing off of windows eight, but I liked some of the features that they were talking about. So the idea was that you could be able to share with 10 of your friends games. So if Byron bought a game and I was really interested in it, he could actually unlock a demo for me to play it. And if I liked it, then I could actually buy the full copy of it. It would save my progress and I could start playing with Byron on the same game. You would actually have the ability to go over to Rodney's house if he had an Xbox One and get to the games that you have at your house. So if you forgot a game, you could uh, start playing Halo 4 or what have you over at Rodney's house without the disc. And so there were a lot of really neat features that were going to be tied to this, but basically because of the economy and because of the gaming community, there are a lot of people who won't buy a game at $59.99. They'll wait a couple of weeks to a month and let that slide down some at GameStop or, you know, they'll go and borrow it from a buddy. So somebody will get mad and then pass it around to all their friends. And, you know, it's just like used games to used music to DVDs. You know, somebody gets it at Redbox and then shares it with everybody on the block. That's less money for the publisher. And while it's very consumer friendly, it's not very creative friendly. And I think that's kind of cruddy that, Microsoft has decided after all the PR to just sort of say, okay, fine. But what it does do is it puts Sony on notice because if Sony, the only thing they could tell you about their new console, the only way that they could compete was to say, Microsoft can't do this, 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 and this, and we do. And Microsoft turns around and says, okay, we do all of that and all of this. So what do you do now? It actually backfires on Sony in the long run. So all Sony has left now is the price, which is, $399 to start for the PlayStation 4 and $499 to start for uh, the Microsoft Xbox One. There have been all sorts of people who freaked out at $499. My answer to that is 16 million iPad ones sold in the first year. It will sell fine. If people want it, early adoption, they'll go out and get it. You're getting a Kinect. You're getting a Microsoft Xbox One. You're getting a Blu-ray player. You're getting all that functionality and media services in it. Whereas for the PlayStation, you're going to get the PlayStation 4, 
and you're going to have to buy just about everything else, including a PlayStation Vita, because many of the really cool features for the PlayStation 4 are tied to their $250 handheld device. So it was kind of disingenuous, and if you follow the industry, you kind of sort of get where it was going, but it was a big PR nightmare, and Microsoft just seems to be making a lot of those lately. You know what really bugs me about this whole console wars fanboy, you know, infighting thing? You know, let people play what they want to play, and if they prefer the Xbox One over the Sony PlayStation 4 or vice versa, then that's what they're going to do. And it seems like if you have the wrong console or the wrong phone or the wrong tablet, you get into these petty little fights with mm-hmm. people. Oh, you, you, you voice. have an iPhone. Well, mm, the Android can do this and this and this. Or, oh, you have an Android. Well, boy, you know, the Android's just real clunky and this, and you just got all this infighting. You know, people just need to enjoy the technology that they have and not worry about what everybody else thinks. And you have the day of E3 when these press conferences were going on, Apple had WWDC and, you know, they announced uh, game controller support for iOS devices and Apple TV. So there are a lot of people now who are thinking that this is Apple trying to get into the console gaming war in a backdoor sort of way. And to some extent they do. The even problem here is, is that Mobile devices, and that seems to be a different kind of audience than those who sit down and play Madden with their friends or Halo with their friends or get into big multiplayer games. Graphics are not the same. The experience on iOS Game Center is nothing like Xbox Live or Steam or PlayStation Network. So there is a lot of doom and gloom that, you know, consoles are going to die. No, consoles will do just fine. That's why they keep making Final Fantasy fifteen. Uh, (laughs) these things do fairly well and you know for the audiences that they're going for it will do fine now the reason why we mention it here on high contrast is a lot of parents may not play video games themselves but they may be purchasing uh, video games for their children and uh, as a low vision individual it's not often you get the opportunity to hear about what these devices are and what they're like or you as a parent to use in fact accessibility wise the Microsoft Xbox website is fairly good to use with a screen reader. Ricky uses it to uh, watch what her son plays. Smart Glass can be used with voiceover and talkback on Android. I often use my Nexus 7 or my iPad to be actually able to control some of the aspects of my Xbox, which I think is really cool. So just because you might have low vision or no vision doesn't mean that you can't actually use some of the features of this console. In fact, Xbox One having the connect on board and being able to talk back and forth to the TV to be able to switch channels or go to the guide or do searches. That's really exciting. And I'm hoping that that actually turns into something even bigger for us, but to answer a Skype call, you know, with voice or to say on a DVD or a movie, pause, play, rewind rather than where did I put the remote or did the dog take it away or did it fall behind the couch? That's kind of neat, but Along with the information that we heard at E3, Apple had some good information themselves with Apple TV with HBO Go, Sky News, and Watch ESPN all coming to that service. So, you know, the downside about Xbox is you've got to pay $60 a year for Xbox Live. You kind of sort of have to do that now for PlayStation Network if you want to do multiplayer. That was one of the things that got announced at E3 was you have to have PlayStation Plus in order to do some of the higher aspects now. So that's $5 a month. So there's no differentiator there. They're both getting you for the online services. But 
Byron, you said you played with an Apple TV before. I don't have enough HDMI inputs. This is the only reason why I don't have one. Yeah, I have a Roku box, and I had an Apple TV for a while. And I did enjoy the Apple TV, but the only reason why I took it back was because the limited amount of channels available on the Apple TV. You know, I could do Netflix, I could do YouTube, you know, I could do like Vimeo, I think is one of the things that's on there. But the availability in terms of apps just wasn't there. But I love the fact that it talks. The menus are really easy to see. You know, the remote is very simple. One of the things you're talking about with the uh, Xbox and its voice control is that how often have you been sitting in a dark room and you have this remote with a million buttons on it and you're trying to find a specific button? One nice thing about the Apple TV remote control is that it's very minimalistic. There aren't a lot of buttons on them and they're not cluttered, so it's really easy to do by feel. So I I really enjoyed that aspect. Small and easy to lose, though, didn't you think? That is true. However, there's also an app that you can use as a remote control. So if your phone is with you, you can always just use that. Rodney, you interested in any of these devices for your media watching experience? Or do you do a lot of that on you know mobile devices? I'm basically waiting on the next generation Apple TV because I'm thinking, okay, they're making these deals to where it sounds like you're going to be able to do apps. Being able to do a game controller or something like that, I mean... Think about it. You get the new Apple controller for your phone or the iPad or the Apple TV, and next thing you know, you're playing all of your Atari games with an actual joystick of some sort, you know, as opposed to touching the screen and trying to hit buttons that you can barely see or feel where they're at. That's kind of interesting to me, you know. It's kind of hard to play Defender when you're trying to move a toggle on a little bitty screen and you can't move off of that you know it's a little difficult that's why i talked about on the midway collection that there was a playstation and an xbox version of that for that very same reason that you're talking about i i've played defender on the ipad uh, as i've talked about here on high contrast but i also went and looked for the midway origins collection because i wanted to put that up on my 46 inch plasma and play with that controller in my hand because I'm an old fogey and I grew up with controllers, so I, I don't always gravitate to using the touchpad for some of the controls on this. But the downside of that is, A, you have to wait for hopefully midway to add that support for the game controller in their app, or B, hope that they come up with AirPlay support so you could actually project that out to the 46-inch television through AirPlay. And some apps do that. Some apps do allow themselves to do that. And that's kind of neat. Certainly with iOS 7 and some of the things that we're hearing about, which are all rumors, so there's nothing concrete or something we can say as of end of June 2013 is going to make that experience better. But it does look to be that Apple's getting out of the, it's a hobby to a more serious tone with Apple TV. Now it's also voiceover friendly. So if you've never experienced that and you're familiar with an iPhone or an iPad, you might actually want to play with Apple TV. And in uh, Mountain Lion, your Mac can actually talk to the Apple TV, which I think is super neat and cool as well. So some advantages to staying within the Apple ecosystem if you are an Apple fan or if you have the ability to get to an Apple store, because certainly that's another great thing about Apple is you're paying for the support, you're paying for the ability to go to a store and not have to explain what your problem is. You know, the Apple genius kind of sort of knows, and that makes life a lot easier when you're trying to get something working. I think we've talked about this before, Byron. If you have a problem with Samsung Galaxy S4 or something, do you go back to Sprint? Do you go back to 
Samsung? Do you go to Google? You know, what exactly is the issue? So you do have to pay more for Apple products, but some of that safety is Apple Care and uh, stores to be able to help you. Yeah, and if you want to try one of these devices, you know, be it an Apple TV or a Roku or an Xbox 360, or if you wait for the Xbox One, most stores have a return policy. And so what I did is I tried the Apple TV and had it for 14 days, and then I returned it and tried the Roku, and that's what I stuck with. Yeah, I'm still using a Roku. That's my constant uh, media device for consumption. Do you guys have the newest ones, or do we have an older one? I have the Roku XD. I'm using whatever high-end Roku 2, I think it is. I've got a Roku 1 that just sort of, the HDMI cable just would not hold constant, and you'd get this purple screen of death every once in a while. Everything would continue to play, but you couldn't see anything. So I ended up upgrading to the 2, and the selection of channels and things is pretty vast, and the pictures are nice and large so that you can actually do your selection of, okay, do I want Hulu? Do I want Netflix? Do I want Amazon? Do I want some other crackle or something, different apps? One thing I have noticed is like with the latest Hulu Plus application is they sort of went from being more text-based to more picture-based. So if for some reason a picture doesn't show up, it's just a blank square. You don't see a word there saying, okay, this is the TV section. You know, you don't see that anymore. Netflix did that. When Netflix moved to covers, just drove me crazy. And I use voiceover for Netflix or talkback for Netflix a lot because I don't know what that little small Cyrillic-ish writing is on that particular movie poster. Exactly. And there's not a picture of an actor's face there, so I can't necessarily figure out what the hell that movie is. So for me, the Roku is just the perfect thing because one thing that I've started doing is I have a Plex media server running on my computer upstairs, and then I can just connect to that using the Plex app on the Roku so I can actually get videos off of my network attached storage, that kind of thing to sort of be geeky, you know, and that seems to work really well. Does that work better than the PlayOn server? Because I know that PlayOn has a, a monthly or uh, or a lifetime license that you can get. And I got PlayOn, and one of the problems that I'm having is that it seems as if it takes forever for it to encode a video. So let's say I've got, oh, for example, a Doctor Who episode on my computer. And I, I go to play that on my Roku. It takes a long time for it to buffer enough of the episode to play it, and then it stops in the middle. And I was thinking about switching to Plex, but I don't know what the pricing plans are on that or if it's any better than PlayOn. Plex is a free app. I think it's plexapp.com. Uh, you can get that for free. You can download the media server and put it on your PC, and it will connect to your Android device, your iOS devices, whether it's an iPhone or iPad, and then you download the channel for the Roku And I have to say, it's pretty instantaneous as far as pulling something from your media server. It just depends on how good either your wired connection or your Wi-Fi connection is in your house. That's the only thing that limits it. It's pretty quick as far as streaming video. Okay. Plus, you can also get channels that will give you your Hulu and your Netflix and things like that also. The newest Roku software, you can practically do RSS and just all these thousands of channels that are available on the web, which is pretty neat, especially if you want to watch, you know, say Twit podcasts on a giant television that's more doable where there isn't really a Twit app for some of these other devices that we're talking about. 
The new Roku also has a headphone jack in the remote. So if you're trying to watch television and not bother your significant other or others in the room, that's kind of a neat thing. So you could actually lower the volume of the television and just listen through the remote with a headphone jack. Did you get the new user interface that's in the Roku 3 on your Roku 2 yet? Have you been updated? Yes, I've been updated and it works fine. The menus that are like settings and things like that, the font is a little bit smaller than it was before. So you either have to get up to the television and look at it or use maybe a monocular or something, but it's pretty simplistic. You get an easier view of the channels because you can see six channel selections at one time. So you can say, okay, I got Netflix, I've got Plex, I've got Major League Baseball, uh, Amazon, all of these things all right in a little grid. Can you change themes or yeah, colors? Yeah, you can change colors. Or backgrounds or foregrounds. Yeah. Or... See, that's awesome because one of the things, when I really started to use my Connect more, was when they changed from the color scheme of kind of blue and white, where it was white on a blue background, to this god-awful green on top of white and black text. I mean, all the stuff that you and I complained about on that Android show, Byron, with Google Now and Jellybean 4.2, and ironically, to some of the same coloring that is in iOS 7, was on the Microsoft Xbox 360. And it has no ability to change that. So all your system menus and stuff are this ridiculous snow blindy white with green and white fonts. And it just drives me crazy. And of course, my Dish Network box also doesn't have the ability to do much customization. I mean, you can change the color of your cursors and you can change kind of the size of the mouse, but you can't necessarily change the highlighting around the different grid of icons, nor can you change the background of how that text is displayed. Cable television boxes are the same way. And the only real boxes I saw initially years ago and have kind of kept that up are DirecTV actually would allow you to change transparency, solidity, grayscale. I mean, some of the Sony boxes allowed you to change color and text and fonts, which I think is really important if you're trying to figure out at three in the morning who stars in that movie without reaching over to IMDb. I believe the new Roku interface has three or four different themes that you can choose from. And then one thing that's nice is that all of your selections are nice white squares around the boxes. So if you're trying to navigate a menu, your menu selections are outlined in white. So it kind of pops on a dark background. So that's kind of a good thing. The only thing I don't like about the new interface, though, is that when you are selecting a channel, it used to be that you would have a few channels in a line and you'd go from one square to the next. And so let's say I was selecting Netflix and then the next thing after that was Hulu. The text of the channel that I'm currently on is underneath that line of channel icons. But now with their new interface where it's a big grid of channels and you have to hit up, down or left or right to find the channel that you want, First of all, the title of the channel, if you can't read the icon, is in the upper right-hand corner, I believe. And the other thing is that it's sometimes difficult to find your cursor to select the channel that you want because it's no longer just hit left or right, and it's always going to be in the middle of the screen. Now you actually have to follow a box that's selecting channels. So personally, for me, I find that a little a little more difficult. It's not impossible to use, but it just seems a little more visually difficult to use compared to the old system. Well, it's kind of like pressure luck. You know, you're trying to select something that's not the whammy. No you whammy, don't want no the whammy. whammy. No whammy. Stop. Oh, man, I have to watch Home Shopping Network. Wow. It's probably designed in the memory of Michael Larson. 
Oh, nice. You've won a trip, $3,000, and you have eight spins. I advise you to stop now. <laughs> stop now. $110,000 later. Uh, boom. <laughs> It was, uh, it was, you know what? It was the Joker's wild of its time. <laughs> oh yeah. 5,000, 5,000 Joker. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, you weren't ever going to get to that or tic-tac-toe. That was also one that I always thought was rigged as hell. That was <laughs> no, the dragons are, no, don't choose it. Dragon's coming. I'm just dead. Dragon. I think that's interesting though, because some of the ability that I had to get with the Xbox was they added last year pinning. So you could actually pin something to a certain part and you could actually go back. So if you didn't remember where in the many menus it was that you got there, you could actually just put your favorites on the home screen and get to it. Does Roku have the ability to kind of sort of have a favorites list or kind of your most frequently with Roku, you can sort of organize your channels. You can sort of place them. Okay, my first channel would be Netflix. My second one would be Hulu. My third one will be MLB. My fourth one would be Plex, yeah. that kind of thing. So you can kind of know by the you rows memorize. as to where it is. Yeah. It's pretty simple. I mean, come on, Byron. You can't have it your way. It's not Burger King. <laughs> well, the, the, I mean, you should be able to tell the difference between a bright red square and a bright green square. One's Hulu, one's Netflix. <laughs> You just chose the two colors that are not good for colorblindness. I'm just going to say that up front, that maybe some people can't tell red from green. Dogs can't. I was going for that, just so you know. Oh, oh okay, okay. You can lead a horse to a joke, but you can't make it tell it. Okay, there is a channel available on Roku, and this, this just you know exemplifies how many channels are available on Roku versus something like an Apple TV. There's a channel called Dog TV. You can, you can download a channel and just turn it on and leave it on for your dog. Oh, yes. I mean, that's crazy. Yes. My dog actually likes that Toyota Squeak toy commercial. And if I want to, Benji already watches television. As anybody who's heard our podcast before or our outtakes knows that Benji likes to bark at things like Game of Thrones, anything with horses or livestock. He's just transfixed. And it's funny, too, because actually when we moved from an SD television to a high-def television, uh, he watched television a heck of a lot more. And um, the other day he started watching Avengers. He's just transfixed by the Avengers where you had it on epics or something. And there are DVDs specifically for dogs and cats and birds. And there's an actual kind of cottage industry behind entertaining animals. And it reminds me of Scrooge years ago when the, uh, uh, they were talking about that, that they were going to do animal television. And it seemed like a joke at the time, but there actually is some things to it. Most importantly, in all this conversation that we've had so far, you have to have an internet connection. And chances are, if you're listening to this from the internet, that's not a problem. If you're listening to this on radio reading services, then you definitely want to be able to have some type of broadband internet connection to be able to get to the internet, to get to the many channels or the many services that we're discussing, whether it be Apple TV and Xbox or Roku or what have you. Oh, and I should point out that there is a remote app for the Roku on iOS. I do not know if there's one for Android. There is one. There is. Yep. I used to use it a little bit, but I don't like having to look at something in order to control the television. I pretty much learn the buttons and doesn't matter how many keys there are. I'd prefer not to I have do to that look too. at something. I, I memorize channel numbers. I memorize menu presses. I'm the one in the house that will start calling off how to navigate something without ever looking at the television because I've memorized that pattern to get to said something or 
Dish Network loves to jumble around channels, so I'm always going to the wrong channel after they've moved it because I've memorized it by its other number. Well, I'm, I'm with you on liking a tactile experience with my remote control. However, as I'm sure all of us are familiar with this particular scenario of losing the remote and trying to find it, having an app for your remote is a nice backup. And in terms of looking for the remote, one of the funny things that I've done in the past was put the remote control in the freezer or the refrigerator, had it in my hand the entire time, and I'm sitting there looking all over the place for it, and it's still in my hand. So, trying to preserve the batteries. Just yeah. trying to keep them going a little bit longer, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you mentioned Epics earlier, which is a service that lets you pay for movies and watch them on your TV devices. What other sources of TV and movie uh, rental services do you use? Because I, I know that I'm familiar with Netflix and Hulu, and I've done some stuff with iTunes video on demand where you can rent a, or buy a movie. But what other services are available for that? I use HBO Go a lot. Yeah, but you got to pay for HBO Go and be authenticated. And lots so of many of those are like things. that, too, like uh, Adult Swim or Cartoon Network or I, any of those. That's my problem because I don't have a cable connection. I'm I'm a cord cutter. I am hardcore, no cable TV service. So an Xbox One with the pass-through isn't going to work for me. But there are third-party private channels out there for Roku that let you get access to some of this like Adult Swim stuff without having to have an authenticated cable network. Now, of course, the legality of that, I don't know what it is, but uh, there is account a Account sharing, and if anybody available. would like to do so with Byron, you can find his contact information on... Sir- no, I'm kidding. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have an Xfinity account, yeah, hook me go. up. <laughs> and if you have uh, Amazon Prime, you can do Amazon Instant, which the interface on the Roku horrendous. is just horrific. Try horrendous. finding anything. I have not seen any of those ever work well for Amazon. It's like Amazon says, yeah, you can get to all this wonderful content, but you're going to have to jump through burning hoops of fire backwards, whistling the Star Spangled Banner to do it. Uh, what was it on the Twitch show frame rate? Brian Brushwood was saying that he goes to the website actually finds what he wants to watch and (laughs) then puts it in his queue and then goes and logs in on his box in order to just find it. That's just impossible. And I used to do that with Netflix until the iOS and the Android experience got so much better. I used to do that with Netflix the exact same way he described and somewhat with some of the other services like uh, ultraviolet and voodoo, you know, where you can actually have your, DVDs or Blu-rays ripped at Walmart and it's put on an app that you can then watch on your multiple devices. Some of those aren't necessarily very friendly to use. Redbox Instant or Redbox, whatever they want to call it, their streaming app, which only has like stuff from the 80s, uh, like most of your after school special movies. And in fact, they just really go after movies. They don't go after television the same way that Hulu and Netflix does. Not wild about that. that that's interface what I want to watch. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I can't really complain because Warner Brothers is actually doing one too for the Warner Archive. So Warner Brothers recognizes that they have a huge film and television collection, but it would cost too much money to put it out on DVD and not everybody would buy it. So they actually will make uh, made to order DVDs. So if it's a rare title, they will actually burn you a copy and send it officially so it's not an illegal thing. Like if you want chips, you can get oh, the first yeah. two seasons oh, yeah. and that's all they have of uh, that show on DVD, sadly. And so you can actually get to that stuff uh, streaming. They're going the kind of streaming route as well. So you'll be able to get apps and be able to sign into all of that. Do any of you guys like the idea of Aereo? Aereo is the service that's going to allow you, well, 
It's still fighting through different parts of the court system. But what they're doing is they're actually having in major cities like, let's say, Houston and Boston, there's a room full of these little dime-sized antennas. And what they will do is rent you an antenna, which will pick up the live television in your area, so your local ABC, NBC, Fox, what have you, and then you're able to log in with an app and watch it on your iPad or, you know, other devices. So you're, you're mobile, you're able to watch, say, television like a streaming sporting event without actually having to go into getting cable or sticking up a high-definition antenna the size of Mount Rushmore to be able to pick up the free signal. Now, I'm actually able to get Aereo in my area for, I believe it's $8 a month, but I haven't tried it out yet. Uh, the Research Triangle here in North Carolina now has it, as well as quite a few other cities just came online with that in May and June, I believe it was. I think it's a great thing. I think it may force cable companies to have to try and keep people by saying, hey, you can subscribe to this and possibly get broadcast television over the air. I mean, my biggest thing to cord cutting is I would cut the cord if I could actually get my college basketball in the fall and winter, you know. I mean, if I had Aereo, I'd actually be able to get ACC basketball games on our local channels as opposed to having to get everything through ESPN or cable channels. So that would be a big plus. But eh, I'm still waiting on that idea. Yeah, sports is the one that's kind of the hardest to deal with. And because there's so many now, in fact, this is why ESPN keeps raising their carriage fees, is that you've got Universal Sports Network, which is NBC Comcast. You've got Fox, you know, really ramping up their sports network. You have all these other little shuttle ones like uh, Golf Channel or Speed or Velocity. And, of course, the NFL Network, which is got a lot of extras. If you, again, sign in with your account saying that you are a satellite or cable subscriber, then you get all this other NFL content. So sports is the one that's really the driver for live television as well as selling high-definition television. That's really one of the bigger things. Although ESPN did get rid of their 3D version, which I think four people on the internet cried about, but I was not one of them. Having only one eye, three dimensions is something I can only dream of, and I can't draw it very well either. It was funny. I did really well in algebra, failed geometry like a big dog, because <laughs> I could understand what that things had height, width, width, and depth, but I couldn't draw it on a two-dimensional piece of paper to save my life. It was a deep hole, and you couldn't get out, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> Let me know very, very quickly that I was not getting into the sciences or NASA. So that was very important to me. So I became more liberal arts. Go figure. Since I'm not much of a sports fan, the appeal for streaming HDTV is sort of not there for me because anything that I want to watch that's on the network channels or anything that you can get free on the HD channels I can get from Hulu or from Netflix or from various other sources on the internet. The only thing I could see being cool is that if you're on a bus or if you're at a hotel or something and you want to be able to watch your local channels and there is something that's on live that you decide to go ahead and tune in for, you know, then you could just whip out your phone or your iPad or whatever and catch it. But since 90% of my TV watching is done probably two weeks to a month after it's aired, having something live does not really matter to me. Although, you know, I do have certain shows that I like to watch that are live and you would have to wait forever to get a recording of it on the internet. So 
This is the first year that I have ventured into the Major League TV app, the MLB.TV app on the Roku. And you can also get the games and things on the PC, as well as, I believe there's even one for the PlayStation and Xbox, too. And Yes, yes, there is. Whenever the NFL goes to that, it's probably game over for sports being high-priced on your cable company because Major League Baseball not too long ago went to everything was a Major League Baseball package on your cable company system, and you had to pay extra for that. Well, the MLB TV app, you can get all of your games. It's easy to access on the Roku. The only problem I have with it is if you're watching one game, you can't really easily switch to another game. If you're watching it on the iPad or on your computer, you can actually just click and go to the next game. But on the Roku, you have to back out, go find the next game, and then go through this menu process. So that's a little bit cumbersome, but the quality is spot on excellent. I mean, I haven't been really a baseball fan since the testosterone gate back in 2004 when it was testosterone all over the place with the steroid problems. So I'm trying to get back into baseball, and this is the only way that I can actually see games without paying $150 for the season to Time Warner Cable. I can get it for, I believe it was $110 when I signed up. So it was a little bit cheaper, and I've got multiple devices that I can get it. I find that when we get to, say, the fall television season, I adore my DVR, and and I have the Dish Hopper, the one that everybody has all the big CNET issues, and actually it is, I don't actually even use it for the reasons that people got upset about it for, but I don't do appointment viewing anymore, literally. I, I have so much stuff on my DVR, I actually just can't even get to all of it. So I'm with you, Byron. I stay with satellite for that reason because I can click, 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 click. Okay, I'll get to this when I want to watch this. And on new television seasons, I will let it collect like five, ten episodes. I'll wait and see if the series makes. And if the series doesn't make, I just delete the folder. Because I just I won't even invest anymore ten hours into a series and find out that Fox moved it to Friday nights, which means the kiss of death. So I've got like The Americans and The Following and Orphan Black. And I waited till all of those shows got either the nod that this is the only season you get or it's getting the season two before I would even commit to them. And with online services like Netflix and Hulu, you can kind of do that anyway because it's going to come to yeah, one of those services. You know. House of Cards. Oh, my gosh. In a weekend, I, I sat down and said, okay, I hear it takes a little bit of time to get into this. I'm going to just watch one or two episodes and watch six episodes in a row and then watch the other seven the next day. Just tore through it. I did the same thing pretty much. Yeah, it was a good series. Your method of holding off on on watching seasons sort of helps because you don't want to get all bothered about a series not making it that you really liked. So if you never experienced it in the first place, you don't have to deal with the heartbreak. Yeah, the firefly syndrome. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, we're going to show these out of order. We're going to move it around on the schedule. And then we just never believed in it. So we're going to kill the space Western. Oh, look, the internet liked it. Yeah. Who would have thunk? One of the things that I have that's kind of neat, but I, I don't really have a good way of utilizing it right now because I don't have over the air HDTV or cable, but I bought this with this idea in mind. I have a thing called a sling box. And so what it allows you to do is hook up this box to your cable TV or satellite TV system and your internet connection, and then you can watch that cable box 
on your iPad or your Android device or your computer remotely. So what I was thinking is I would just like go visit Joe one day and like sneak it somewhere in the guest room on the guest TV, you know, hide it behind the dresser and then go home and watch his TV channels. Or let's get it to our friends in the UK and we can watch British television as it happens. Oh, yeah. Uh, because we don't get iPlayer or any of the BB. You know, remember like two years ago and they said eventually the worldwide service will bring iPlayer to other countries. Sure. They did Canada. Yeah, whatever happened to that? <laughs> <laughs> Not us. You know, we get BBC America. Not that we're upset about that, but yeah, we are. Well, there is a uh, podcast out there that uh, I believe it records in the morning, and they actually have listeners that give them access to their sling boxes all around the world. You know, so maybe we could do that with maybe we could do that with uh, high contrast here. You know, get sort of a, a rotating schedule of sling boxes. You know, in the morning. Let's just say Doctor Who taught me how to torrent. So um, <laughs> at some point, it'll teach me more about VPN. I am almost aware of it and tunneling. VPN is very nice. There are a lot and of pro- options proxies. out there. Yeah. yeah. And what we're kind of joking about is that content is regionally locked. And sometimes things that we watch here in the United States don't necessarily make it to other places. In fact, uh, Australia is famous for Game of Thrones and uh, you know them watching it more through a torrent than actually through HBO. So that's another way. It's not a legal way, so we don't advocate that here on the podcast. But there are different ways of being able to get media in a format and then putting it on a device. But remember, there's even some televisions that will actually play files directly from a USB drive if connected to the back. Yep, I have a Philips DVD player that has a USB port on it. I can just stick a, a file onto that and watch it. I watch those you know, Doctor Whos. I'll get them from the internet, and then I'll put it on my Xbox 360. So I'll go watch it on my big 46 uh, in order to watch some of these files in the way that we like them. And I think it's just the new way of doing things is that you mentioned about sports, Rodney, and all of that. We'll find a way. You can't stop the signal. If you want to be able to watch a show, it might mean you have to jump through some extra hoops. But if you want to watch it on a 4-inch device, a 10-inch device, or you know a 100-foot screen, all of this is coming out in different ways for you to be able to get to that and see it with low vision in the kind of format that you're used to. In fact, I know some people who, if somebody has to get closer to the television and it might end up blocking the television for others, there are people who've run video outs of their cable box or their television to a secondary television so that person who's got visual impairment will sit in the rocking chair or the lazy boy and have their own personal TV in front of them while the rest of the family kind of sits further back and gets a bigger experience to what they're doing. So... I've known families who've done that in order to try and preserve the experience for both sides of the family. You know, the thing I've always wanted to try is those glasses that you can put on that give you like an 80-inch screen and all you have to do is just take a video output of your TV or other device and have a a screen and a pair of glasses. I've always wanted to try that, but they're expensive. And IMAX on your face. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You'd look like a tool. <laughs> like those people using the Oculus Rift, or yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. will point out that people that sort of take their DVDs and put them onto media devices and things, there are applications like Handbrake that you can get at Handbrake FR. And oh, I know yeah. a lot of people. I know a lot of people that are taking their DVDs and fixing it for kids that have hearing impairments because you can actually embed the closed captioning into the video file, which sometimes you can't get on devices like the Roku or something like that. So that's an option that people might want to look at if they have someone that's hearing impaired. 
And I just reviewed an app for uh, that Android show called MX Player, which is a lot like VLC Player, in which you can actually do a lot of that on your Android devices. So even MP4s, as long as they're not DRM locked to Apple, you can actually play a lot of these devices in Android. And that was not something that we had a lot until recently. In fact, um, you know, some people use AirDrop, so they won't watch it on their iPad. They'll bring their iPad in the room and talk to the Apple TV. There is something like that for some devices called DLNA, and uh, it's a little tricky, and your device has to support it, and the device that's picking it up has to support it. But Google is actually looking into something called MirrorCast, which is supposed to be out this year that's allowing people to do the exact same thing that they're having with AirDrop. So that's part of it, too, is that it's on your device, but you go over to a friend's house and you want to watch it on the big screen how do I get it off of X to Y? And especially with iDevices, which is already notorious for getting information onto it because you can't necessarily connect an iDevice and mount the drive and put things onto it, whereas you can with other devices where if you plug it into your computer, it sees it as a drive and you just drag and drop files over into it. Yeah, it definitely seems like we've sort of covered the gambit here of Xbox, PlayStation. We really influenced people into buying a Roku <laughs> for the uh, or large... Box or Aereo or... Maybe downloading a Plex app to get media from their computer to their uh, Roku or media device of some sort. So it kind of gives everyone a big amount of options. And if other people out there have ideas on something that we have missed and not covered or mentioned that we have in our repertoire that you think is definitely something we need to have, please drop an email over to resources at serotalk.com. And right now, it seems like it's probably going to be about that time to take a short break. Uh, You're listening to High Contrast on SPN. Today, you ate Greek yogurt. You took the train. You wondered why people spend so much time reading celebrity blogs. You read a celebrity blog. You planned a workout. You skipped it. You did all the things that one normally does the day before a devastating earthquake shakes the community to the ground. You never know when the day before is the day before. Prepare for tomorrow at ready.gov slash today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, welcome back to High Contrast, and it's time for another app review. This time I'm going way back in computer history with a review of Karateka. This is a game that I actually played on the Atari, uh, not the Atari 2600 that you might be familiar with from the old, old days of ET games that are buried in a landfill somewhere. Nope, I actually played this on the Atari XE and ST back when I was uh, working on Hex and basic and all sorts of computer languages. Uh, I did play it again when it was on the Apple II, and that is actually the port that is now available in the iOS app store for the iPad and iPhone. And it is pretty doggone authentic. Here's the idea behind the game. You have got to rescue the princess. Yep, sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. And you've got to move from left to right to do it. Okay, also sounds familiar, right? But you're going to be able to use karate moves with people that are going to come after you to block you on your way to get to the princess. So there's not a lot of jumping here. It's mostly moving from left to right and then fighting people with punches and kicks. 
Now, the really important thing about this particular game in the annals of uh, video game history was the fluid movement that these characters had. This and Prince of Persia were two games that were really kind of sort of giving you the idea that characters could run into the uncanny valley of, oh my gosh, that thing moves almost like a human. Well, you know, by today's standards, it doesn't. But back in the 80s, trust me, this was actually earth-shattering. In the meantime, it wasn't the normal punch-and-kick brawler that you would run into later, say, with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This was more of your straight one-on-one fighting, beat one guy up, keep going to the right, go to another area that you hadn't seen before, fight some nasty birds who are annoying, and then a little surprise at the end. You have the ability to run, you have the ability to walk, and you you have to be really weary as you get later into this game because it does change things up on you. Now, the iPad version that I played, and this app is available for 99 cents, so just so you know, uh, this uh, doesn't have a free version, But the iPad version that I played, the buttons are kind of hard to see. You're going to have to do some memorization because they're kind of transparent on the actual gameplay itself. So if you hold it landscape-wise, which is probably best for this, you can uh, move your fingers over the button for run, the button for walking forward or backwards, the button for bowing. On the right side of the screen, you have buttons for being able to punch or kick And you have some moves that you can do in between. This is a faithful retake on an old game. And by that, I mean the touch-centric thing really works. I didn't think I was really going to enjoy it because I'm so used to playing with a keyboard or a joystick. But once when you kind of get some muscle memory on where your fingers need to be and you get used to the idea of, you know, touching and tapping and swiping, be able to get to uh, the way the gameplay works, it's not bad. For 99 cents, it's not for everybody. It's not something that you're going to play over and over and over again unless you really, really do like this game or you're a video game historian and uh, you don't want to pull the old system out of the closet and try and set it up and go through that kind of experience all over again. So for me, it was kind of neat and I didn't mind wasting an afternoon for 99 cents going back in history and playing this classic game. Now, there is another version of Karateka which is the modern version. It's the same kind of game, but it's in a modern setting with modern graphics. Uh, For that, I'd rather play that on the big screen on a PlayStation 3 or an Xbox 360. It is actually pretty cool. You can do things with sound on the bigger version. So if you're playing uh, on a big stereo system or if you're playing with headphones, uh, a totally blind person can actually sort of play this game because you're just moving from left to right once again. And you can hear sound cues that let you know when to press buttons, which is a lot better than the iOS app, which is not voiceover friendly at all. So I really like this for the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3. I've seen people like Liam Irvin playing this on an iPad and others. I think that's kind of neat, but I like the vibration and the feedback that I get from the 360. So while this might be playable on the iPad in the new modern version I can't really speak to how good it is or how bad it is other than it's available. And if it goes on sale, which generally these apps generally do, it might be worth it if you want to play that in a modern version. But the app that I've reviewed today is the old version of Karateka, definitely available from the iOS store, also coming to Android, 99 cents. Totally worth it if you're a video game historian. For high contrast, this is Joe Steinkamp and another app review. More to come Next month. And- 
and welcome back to High Contrast here on SPN. That was a great review by Joe Steinkamp of Karatika for iOS, which sort of makes me want to pull out the old Atari 7800 and go back to playing it off, off and on like I used to back in the day. Anyway, we are going to skip the mailbag because we are running a little bit long here on the show. But if you would like to drop us an email, you can do so at resources at serotalk.com. We did not get to the wonderful, what would you want to call it, the tutti-frutti Apple operating system. We didn't get to that from WWDC, so if you have any thoughts on that, maybe you can send us a few comments, because I hear it's going to be sort of blinding, if you will, with bright colors and things. Or or, or any comment about OS uh, Top Gun, I mean Mavericks. Yes, uh, I think Johnny Ive likes uh, creamsicles, you know, the the bright little popsicles. I so want my copy of Mavericks to boot up with the Danger Zone theme in the background. I just... And it would get Kenny Loggins some needed uh, residual money. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, we will wrap it up here. And thanks to Byron Lee for joining us. He is going to be a hopefully new regular in the rotation of high contrast third or fourth wheels. I'm not sure which way it goes. Are we a tricycle or four-wheeler? I'm not sure. As long as it's not a unicycle, I don't care how it's doing it. That's some form of transportation. We're good. Complaint letters exactly. uh, so my addition to the team can be sent to resources at serotalk.com <laughs> <laughs> So is there anything you want to pimp as it were, Byron? How can people sure. get in touch with you? Well, you can uh, email me. My email address is byron at byronlee.com. That's B-Y-R-O-N-L-E-E.com. And my Twitter username is byron27. That's B-Y-R-O-N-27. And my Facebook username is facebook.com slash byronlee27. So follow me on all those avenues and uh, we'll be happy to talk. Is that the numeric 27 or do we spell it out? No, you just rotate the rotor. Someone took the other one. Yeah. So we had to go numbers. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Numbers. I I guess it would eat up all the characters of the Twitter, you know. And (laughs) 140 140 characters were just your call (laughs) sign. That's good. I like that. I do think they stop you at something like 38 or something. So. Yeah. Something. Is it that long? I was thinking it might have been like 16 or something. No, it's 15. Roberts. Maybe, but as always, our great, wonderful producer and commentator on everything possible, Joe Steinkamp. How can people get in touch with Just you? Just won't let me leave. I'm so... Uh, um, hi. EOLshow.com is a great way because both these gentlemen have been on that particular show as third chair. So if you uh, want to be able to hear more of these whimsical comments and more related towards books, foods, and movies, EOLshow.com, twitter.com slash EOLshow. And you can also hear me on the day job over at Cerro Talk Weekly. Uh, you can find that at, at www.cerotalk.com, S-E-R-O-T-A-L-K.com. Also, if you want to be able to catch up with our hosts who are not here with us today, you can find Jeremy Curry over at gwmicro.com and follow along with him. And then, of course, Maury, who is on summer vacation and enjoying herself, and I'm just jealous. You can find her over at the Zoomed In blog over at AI Squared. Those links are over in the show notes for this particular episode. 
And as always, I am Rodney Edgar from TechAccessWeekly.com. You can find me on the Twitter at Rodney Edgar, R-O-D-N-E-Y-E-D-G-A-R. And you can even find our podcast links and such that we occasionally tweet out about accessibility over at T-A underscore W-E-E-K-L-Y for the spelling impaired of the underscore. And as always, please send us your comments to resources at serotalk.com. You can also listen to the show on iBlink Radio by going to one of the various app stores for iOS and Android. And what else should we say or promote here, Joe? Anything that you guys have coming up? Oh, convention coverage. If you aren't already listening to it, stay with the front page of iBlink Radio to get all the information from the 2013 NFB, ACB, and other types of conventions. So we're going to have interviews from the show floor and some little side things as well. And you'll be able to find out more by just hanging in there and going over to iBlink Radio and looking on the front page for 2013 convention coverage. Seems like he's reversed that, doesn't it? I went to college for it. Mm, well, yeah. I, I told you a... liberal arts. You missed that earlier. Yeah. I guess it wasn't a difficult degree. Mm, anyway, they'll give them to anybody. Oh, they'll give them to Underwater anybody. basket. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, this has been a digression of high contrast here on the Saratalk Podcasting Network. Until next time. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Goodbye. I must say bye-bye.